Bankless Nation. It is the first week of May. David Hoffman, what time is it? It is roll-up time, Ryan. We are rolling up the first week of May. The crypto industry moves so incredibly fast that we need to dedicate a whole entire episode to making sure that you can keep up with it. And so we are going through all the things that happened in the last week of crypto. Markets, releases, news, takes, what we're excited about, ending with the meme of the week. Stay tuned for the meme of the week. It's a good one. We're going to try to jam-pack the entire week of crypto into your Friday morning. Enjoy this with a cup of coffee. David, we've had a busy week, man. I heard a DAO launched. Uh, I did, it did? What, what DAO? Yes. A very important DAO. Oh, tell me more. It's, it's, it's called the Bankless DAO, and you oh. should be a part of it. <laughs> I, think, I think I will. I think I like that DAO. <laughs> you should be a part of the Bankless movement. David. <laughs> How do I become a part of the Bankless movement, Ryan? Dude, we're going to get to all that, actually. So I think we have a section for Bankless DAO when we talk about releases. I think we have a section when we talk about news. I think we have a section when we talk about what we're excited about because it has definitely been an exciting week. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you haven't heard, Bankless has launched a DAO, basically, uh, through a Genesis team. And uh, it, it is going like gangbusters. Like, mm-hmm. I, I can't even keep up with the amount of activity that's going on. Some exciting stuff uh, brewing in the bankless community and the bankless movement. Yeah, it, inside the Bankless DAO Discord, it really just feels like a shaken snow globe. And every, everything <laughs> is start, and it's chaotic and crazy, and everyone's yes. really excited, and everyone's buzzing. And like, we're starting to see the first like little drifts of settlement as to people are finding their niches, people are self organizing, emergent organization. Uh, a lot of thoughts are going around as to how DAOs work nowadays, especially a media and culture DAO. There's nothing. We didn't actually do too much on-chain stuff. There's no smart contracts. There's we are, we don't have a protocol. We have an organization of people, and that's something it, that is unique. It's completely layer zero, completely people, and uh, just like a shaken snow globe, it's pretty beautiful. Yeah, like seeing all of it come together. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Let's uh, we'll talk about the DAO many times throughout this episode, but let's get to the markets first david that's what the people are here for they want to know mm-hmm. what the bitcoin price is right now what is the bitcoin price bitcoin price fifty five thousand seven hundred and twenty dollars at the time of recording bitcoin just hovering between fifty and sixty thousand dollars would would be the range that i would call it at uh, just a very long consolidation period for bitcoin so we're up on the week but still like you know it's 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 not hitting its its bull highs as mm-hmm. it was previously uh what does that mean for ether Ether, quite the opposite, quite the opposite story. Ether has hit a new high, actually of the day of recording, at $3,600. It is currently at $3,460 at the time of recording. Uh, And it's really done a fantastic job of not dumping, which is absolutely crazy. (laughs) Ether started the week as low as $2,700 and then went all the way up to $3,600. And a lot of people in my circles and the people I talked to were like, all right, this has got to be like too steep, too fast, too steep. It's going to dump. And then it continued to keep on going up. So I would call this precariously high, but if we want to call this a quote unquote new financial paradigm where people were underexposed to Ether and now they are trying to snatch back what Ether they could because they were underexposed to it, now realizing that perhaps this is actually going to be a new global store of value, then it kind of makes sense that, you know, people are FOMOing into Ether, not just individuals, but institutions. And there's been a lot of conversation uh, this week, especially that this extra basically insane buying volume and buying pressure 
uh, for Ether has been coming from institutions rotating into Ether and, and understanding and accepting Ether as a macro store of value asset. Yeah, I think that's the big story in markets this week, to be honest, David. And um, what, what's interesting about what you said is like people who are are worried about the price of Ether, they'll point to Bitcoin and say, well, can Ether sustain this level of price uh, and continue to grow while Bitcoin is is stagnant? Because that hasn't been the, the case previously, except, David, if you flash back to 2017, when this was happening from March 2017 on forward to, to most of the rest of the bull run was Ether. It was story of Ether outpacing Bitcoin. Uh, maybe we are repeating 2017 again. We've talked about this on Bankless. We talked about it last year. We, we even talked about it like uh, at, at the earliest episodes of like, we think that 2021 is going to be somewhat of a repeat of 2017. Uh, and maybe that's what's going on. But you mentioned institutions. This is Ash. He works at a crypto hedge fund institution. This is a tweet thread he put together about 14 reasons ETH is a higher upside treasury reserve asset. Interesting term, treasury reserve asset mm -hmm. versus Bitcoin. David, I think we should do all 14, but we got to be quick, man. Yeah, so there, there's a lot in here. Sleep. Yeah, I think before we get started, because Ryan, I know you're going to take number one. The the interesting thing to know is he's calling it a treasury reserve asset. That's basically what I was saying when I was saying a, a store of value, macro store of value. Different words, same, same. But the important note is higher upside, higher upside. Yes. So keep that in your brain as we go through these. Ryan, you want to kick us off? Yeah, man, let's do every other, okay? So I'll do one. So yep. ETH is a proven store of value having an appreci having appreciated 85,000% since inception five years ago, six years ago, in 2015. 85,000% mm -hmm. since inception. Proof that of is number go up. absolutely crazy. Yeah, do two for us. Two, uh, ETH is only 25% of the market of Bitcoin. Uh, Ether is, uh, or Bitcoin is $1 trillion versus Ether $317 billion. So there's that upside, right? Like if you believe that Ether is equivalent in Bitcoin store of value nature, you would see Ether being only 25% uh, of what Bitcoin's market cap is. ETH staked is now going up. ETH staked now exceeds $9 billion. So that is ETH locked in staking. That is 3.26% of ETH supply and going up if Justin Drake ultrasound money thesis pans out. That's number three. Number four, scarcity is here. EIP-1559 effectively cancels out ETH inflation rate, which really puts Ether as a macro store of value treasury reserve asset. Uh, uh, and it, yeah, it, it deletes uh, excuse me, deletes 4.3% of the total supply. Is that the right metric? Can't, no, excuse me. It cancels out ETH's inflation rate of 4%. Um, so EIP-1559, no inflation. There you go. Another ultrasound money theme. 22.5% of ETH, this is number five, supplies illiquid locked up in smart contracts. This is ETH being used as economic bandwidth. Another bankless theme uh, for DeFi and... Ash says number will only grow up, go up over time as use cases accelerated. And we're certainly seeing DeFi use cases accelerating. What's number six, David? Six, whale wallets are growing. Wallets that hold Ooh. more than 10,000 Ether, right? This is actually people, largely institutions, I would say, who are actually putting more and more Ether into their treasury, into their balance sheets. So people with big money are buying more Ether. We report on this number seven every week, 66 billion 
in US dollars locked in DeFi protocols. That is aggregate of everything that's locked in DeFi protocols. And that's 66 billion already growing at a rate of 40% per month. Absolutely crazy. Grayscale, at number eight, Grayscale holds roughly 3% of all Ether supply, which quote unquote won't be sold anytime soon. And if you are a lazy institution and you don't want to set up the infrastructure for just uh, you know more sophisticated holding Ether, you just go to Grayscale, right? So that 3%, that's not just Grayscale as an institution, that's other institutions using Grayscale to access Ether and put it on the balance sheet. Won't be sold because it can't be sold mm -hmm. as well, uh, the way Grayscale's product works. Number nine, Ethereum has over 2,000 active monthly developers compared to Bitcoin at 360. Development leads to more apps, more innovation, more disruption. Look, that developer score is only measuring Ethereum-specific protocol libraries. So it doesn't even include all of the developers that are building DeFi protocols on top of Ethereum. And Ethereum is still leading the charge there. What's number 10, David? Number 10, ETH derivatives have gone from 50 million in April of 2020 to 3 billion total open interest institution adoption signal. Institutions love derivatives. They love options. Uh, and that is really how they uh, elect to get exposure to assets like Ether. Uh, and so not only are we seeing a maturing in the derivatives market, but we're seeing adoption of it, which means that institutions are using it. This follows number 10. This is number 11. ETH futures positions have seen a 20x increase, now set at 7.5 billion in open interest, another institutional adoption signal. 12, 24-hour ETH options trading volume has gone from 1 million in May 2019 to exceed $1 billion in daily open interest. Again, same, same thing as before. This is what institutions use. Looks like they're using it. Number 13, ETFs in Canada, full stop. ETH ETFs in Canada. <laughs> They're coming to the US soon, right? That's the tweet. <laughs> Number 14, ETH is starting to gain and decorrelate with Bitcoin. And this will continue as developer activity rises and more use cases are created. Uh, that decorrelation from Bitcoin is key to actually people understanding it to be a, a, a uniquely different and compelling macro store of value asset. Ash summarizes it with a price prediction. ETH currently range from 10,000, he says is inevitable, 100,000 best case scenario, 100,000, absolutely crazy numbers here. And he says there's more incentive to hold ETH than Bitcoin due to Ethereum's growing use cases. Again, Ash works at a crypto hedge fund. He's been listening to Bankless for a while. I think he's tuned into the narrative here. And that is the narrative being presented to institutions right now. So if you're confused by why ETH price go up while Bitcoin price stay flat, take a look yeah. at this thread. Mm -hmm. Re-listen to the last 14 points we made. Yeah. <laughs> All right, David, let's go to the DeFi token watch. DeFi Pulse Index, where are we right now? Yeah, DPI currently priced at $560. Hit an all-time high of $584. Is that is that right? That's not right. No, the all-time high was uh, earlier this week at $610 or so. Um, and currently took a little bit of a tumble from that high down to $560. But overall, dollar price performance of DeFi, DPI, doing great. Doing great. Going up, not as fast as ETH though. Tell us the story in Getting our DPI slaughtered. to ETH ratio. Slaughtered, <laughs> DPI being slaughtered on the ETH ratio. It, it had a valiant effort at 0.2. It had another valiant effort at 0.18, but it ultimately has fallen down to 0.16 uh, Ether per DPI. Uh, and so DeFi assets getting just absolutely demolished in Ether terms. As you, you would expect, Ether just went. <laughs> Are you happy, I mean, David? I mean, 
Yes. It was Eats' turn for It was Eats' right? turn. It has never been Eats' turn since like literally December of 2017. It has, <laughs> it's, it's, it patiently yeah. waited its turn and, you know, it's Eats' moment right now. Um, there you, you know, go. I, I'm eyeing the, the ETH to DPI trade. Like I'm, I'm eyeing it. It looks tempting. Like DPI is going to reverse at some point in time. It's just a matter of like, do what knife, at what point do you want to catch the falling knife? You think we're going to have another DeFi summer, but we might have an ETH summer first is kind of the point, right? Oh, and it's hard to trade We've already that. had an ETH spring, two seasons of ETH in a row. Okay. You would spoil me, sir. <laughs> we'll see how it plays out. All right. Uh, let's talk about stablecoin supply because these are hitting new all-time highs too. The first stat we have is USDC, which is Coinbase Circle. They hit 15 billion so 15 billion on trade uh, on chain in USDC. Another follow up to that is is Tether actually hit on chain volumes of one trillion, the one trillion mark for the first time. Stablecoin adoption is just going up and to the right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it just makes sense. All the times that Ryan and I talk about how uh, like terrible the banking UX UI is, obviously stablecoins are going up and to the right. Uh, congrats to Tether, one trillion dollars in a one year period. That's pretty phenomenal. Guess what, man? I had to wire funds from oh, no. a Wells, so literally from a Wells Fargo account uh, this week, uh -huh. right? So had to schedule an appointment with the banker, had to go there in person. An the appointment? Of, right. The banker asked all sorts of questions. Where's the money going? Like what's happening? All of this. Uh, and I was just like, oh my God, you guys, this is a fax machine. You guys are so dead. Wait, did it's you? A, you're, you're operating a fax machine and we have the internet here. What, was it like small talk? Like, oh, where's your money going? Or was it like, please fill no, out this form? It was just, it was a little bit like, oh, so where is the money going? And like, like just weird questions that right. shouldn't be asked about like money. Marginally like, personal questions. Yeah. And it was also like a, you know, it's a nice person, good conversation, I guess. Mm -hmm. But the fact that you have to show up in person to actually like make that transaction, mm -hmm. schedule something with like the banker. Right. Jeez. Friction. Friction that Dude, could be done in two seconds. <laughs> my my roommate, uh, we, he was going to transfer me some some money, and for, for some reason we just did it in cash because he's my roommate. He just handed it to me. So I, I took <laughs> real it to, cash, uh, real cash, paper dollars, right, paper dollars. Yeah, oh the, literally the worst form of cash. And I, so I took that to the bank and I it gave is it. Private though. I, I gave it to the well, not when I come to the bank with it. I give it to the That's teller, <laughs> and, I, and she was like, "Oh, like did you make a big sale?" And I'm like, "Don't ask." Don't ask about that. That's not your yeah, information. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, no. Stop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cease. That's Ethereum, incredibly Ethereum doesn't ask. Why do Ethereum you get doesn't to know? ask? You don't get <laughs> exactly. All right, David. Let's let's get to this. While we're on markets, man, Doge is pumping. So, Sadly. like everyone, uh, many friends that mm -hmm. that I know, they'll text me about Doge price these mm -hmm. days, right? So, like, what's going on? Why and why why so sad? <laughs> Because we live in a goddamn meme culture. That's what's deep going sigh. on. Yeah, deep sigh. And like, it really okay, just but like, we love memes, don't we? Good memes. What's your problem with there, memes? There are good memes and there are bad memes. memes. Yeah. I mean. Why is this a bad meme? It's the people's money, right? It's Doge. Yeah, God damn it, Elon. What, look, look what you've done, Elon. <laughs> the thing is like, uh, we are doing our best to promote the real values that this industry has to offer. And then Doge just fucking yeets itself to the okay, wait, goddamn wait. moon. Joe Weisenthal, do you know him? Mm -hmm. Bloomberg, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. a commentary on finance has lots to say about crypto, of course. Um, he says that, okay, David, Doge is no different than Bitcoin. It's just a meme, buddy. Mm -hmm. It's a, a community that says it's going up, hold it as a store of value. It is money. It's no different than Bitcoin. What's your take on that? 
Yeah, like the thing is, like Doge is is it's a it's a funny meme, but Bitcoin is a meme in the same as like the U.S. dollar is also a meme. Like it's just something that you have in your head and you ascribe value to it. It's like the different when we talk about memes, we're just talking about narratives, right? The Bitcoin narrative is serious. Bitcoin narrative is is uh, you know uh, personal sovereignty with money, no money printer, uh, you know power by the people for the people. And Doge is like, haha, cute dog, number go up. Like <laughs> the the narrative behind the meme is important. Like the Doge meme is very like nihilist. Like you, you know, and then, like I'm all I'm all one to say like fuck the system, but I want to fuck the system with a better system. Doge is like, you know what? Let's actually just burn everything because nothing matters anymore, and let's pump it to the moon. Like, do you know what I think of it as it look it's I feel like it's a low conviction meme mm. like it's a meme but it's a low conviction yeah meme. that's I don't think there's good you're not going to get holders of last result resort in doge right. they're here for the right. pump they're gonna they're gonna be gone and by the way have you looked at doge distribution near the top oh, yeah, it's, it's awful it's awful it's terrible right uh yeah the reason why doge right. makes outside outside news is because like I, I bet you a higher much higher percentage of doge is lost than bitcoin because why would you keep on holding on to your doge right you would just lose it and so that's why it goes like from one penny to to 60 cents in under like three months because there's no supply there's no supply out there. point there gary v just said that he had some doge and he lost it because right. he didn't know what it was like yeah he yeah. just said that on the podcast mm -hmm. earlier this week mm -hmm. anyway doge we'll, we'll we'll get back to you when we get to the elon <sighs> snl news but for now we want to tell you about the fantastic sponsors that made this episode possible bankless is proud to be supported by uniswap uniswap is a new paradigm in asset exchange infrastructure Instead of a cumbersome order book system where trades are matched with other humans, Uniswap is an autonomous piece of software on Ethereum, which is what Ryan and I call a money robot. No human counterparties or centralized intermediaries, just autonomous code on Ethereum. Input the token you want to sell and receive the token you want to buy. Something brand new in the Uniswap ecosystem is the Uniswap Grants program is now accepting applications for grants. We have been saying this for a while and we'll say it again. DAOs have money and they are in need of labor. If you think that you have something to contribute to the Uniswap DAO, apply for a grant to Uniswap. Just look at the size of the Uniswap treasury. It's almost $3 billion. This mountain of capital is looking for labor. Do you have something of value to contribute to the Uniswap DAO? No matter how big or small your idea is, you can apply for a uni grant at unigrants.org and help steer Uniswap in the direction that you think it should go. That's exactly what we did to get Uniswap to be a sponsor for Bankless, and you can do the same for your project. Thank you, Uniswap, for sponsoring Bankless. Gemini is the world's most trusted cryptocurrency exchange. I've been a customer of Gemini since I first got into crypto in 2017, and it's been my main exchange of choice to make my crypto buys and sells. Gemini is available in all 50 states and in over 50 countries worldwide. And on Gemini, there are markets for over 30 various different crypto assets, including many of the hot DeFi tokens. And it's one of the few exchanges that has liquid die markets. Gemini just launched their Earn program, where you can earn up to 7.4% interest on 26 various crypto assets. If you're tired of paying fees in DeFi, or you don't want to worry about DeFi exploits, but you still want to earn interest on your crypto assets, Gemini Earn is the product for you. Another product I'm stoked to get my hands on is the Gemini Crypto Back Credit Card, which gives you 3% cash back on all of your purchases, but paid to you in your preferred crypto asset. When I get my Gemini credit card, I'm going to make sure that I get my cash back in ETH. So whenever I buy something, I get a little bit of ETH bonus back to me at the same time. 
You can open up a free account in under three minutes at gemini.com slash go bankless. And if you trade more than $100 within the first 30 days after sign up, you'll be gifted a free $15 Bitcoin bonus. Check them out at gemini.com slash go bankless. All right, guys, we are back with the hot releases of the week. David, we have to start here. Let's start with the unicorn, man. Uniswap V3. You heard about it with our podcast with, with Hayden Adams. Mm -hmm. He finally came on, David. He told <laughs> us about it. And now it is here. May 5th, it arrived. Uh, talk about it. What launched Mainnet? Yeah, Uniswap V3 finally here. And so there is now this a little bit of a tug of war between Uniswap V2 and Uniswap V3, right? Uniswap V3 is not the simple transition that Uniswap V1 to V2 was. Uh, Uniswap V3 has much more dials, much more uh, you know switches, much more things that need to be tinkered with, and people need to learn how to use it. Uh, and so um, that that's what's here today. And I th actually think the really cool thing is right there, Ryan, tweet number four <laughs> in this uh, tweet thread is that if you guys remember, when you deposit liquidity into Uniswap, Uniswap, it is a, uh, it's a specific band of price action, right? So you are only depositing for a very narrow band of price action or, or, or a wide band. It's up to you. But the point is it's unique to you and it's unique to what you, you chose. And so when you make a unique deposit and providing liquidity, you get an NFT back. And the cool thing is they've actually made cool little gif, uh, GIFs for the NFTs. So I, I would imagine that you can like see your NFT, your NFT uh, LP deposit into Uniswap V3 on something like OpenSea or any other NFT explorer. It's going to show up next to your Bankless badge or any other NFTs that you own. So that's kind of cool, which is actually kind of really bridging the world of DeFi to NFTs because there's kind of two separate worlds and, and now they're it's, getting a little closer. It's kind of fun. Look, and that's an incentive to open up a, uh, a pool. So kind of neat that way too. David, let's go to the high level. I thought this tweet from Hayden was actually pretty good. Mm -hmm. He said, it's been 24 hours since the launch of Uniswap V3. And here's some stats. V3's 24 hour volume was already 150 million. They've got 300 million total locked. Uh, and volume by efficiency, which is a really interesting mm -hmm. score is 50%. Um, and he compares that to Uniswap V2. And the bottom line is in its first day, V3 has already seen twice the volume that V2, not V1, V2 saw in its first month. So again, kind of we're on this exponential curve of growth. V V3 is like 2X V2 volume in its first month. And it's doing that in the first day. Pretty crazy volumes already coming out of Uniswap V3. Yeah, there were some uh, complaints from uh, people who are just trying to use Uniswap V3 that some things were broken, some things weren't weren't working. And as you can see, there's a, a, a comment right below that Hayden's tweet saying, oof, it cost me 150 bucks to provide liquidity. <laughs> Providing liquidity, that, that transaction is just more intensive, right? And so hopping in and out of liquidity pools is going to be more complex now that it's an NFT. There were a few other things that the migration from V2 to V3 wouldn't work with a ledger, um, just for some developer coding reasons that's over my head. Um, but there is going to be transition friction because, like I said, this is not just like an upgraded, an upgraded V1 to V2. This is a brand new AMM system, uh, and so that the porting of V2 to V3 is going to have some uh, friction. It's, there's going to be some some uh, learning curve um, pains, but I think in the long term it's gonna it's gonna all work out. Yeah, absolutely. Some like things from the beginning. And I, I uh, tweeted this out like, hey, who's tried it? What, What's your experience so far with V3? And people mentioned some UI bugs. The analytics aren't quite working. 
uh, there's an issue with connecting a hardware wallet to MetaMask and using it an issue with the signature that uh, is probably not resolved as you guys are listening to this. So some UI friction, but like overall, man, that's not stopping the volume. Right. We should, you know what? We should unbox this ourselves. So I haven't spent much time here, David, myself using this. Uh, and I'm going to pull up Uniswap V3 and actually see what's what's different about it. So it looks like I've got the same swap interface. Slightly that I different, had but pretty much the same. Yeah, it looks really simple. You know, it's kind of that Google level simplicity mm -hmm. of the interface. And mm -hmm. let's say I want to trade, um, you know, let's say a tenth of an ETH for some DAI. Uh, what am I doing here? Yeah, see um, that that sli the die like slippage a lot a decent amount of slippage in price in, movement. In, yeah, right. Um, I, I mean that might just it's 24 hours old. I'm sure that's going to get worked out again. Uh, liquidity providers are going to have to learn how to provide liquidity, uh, and so I think look, people are being methodical and slow about that. Look at this button though. It says get a better price on V2. So yeah, I guess where job. you can get a better price on V2, it you know button pops up to show you that because this is a, a lot of slippage, almost a full percent slippage. Um, price movement for that action. But the the big thing that V2 was supposed to provide was mm -hmm. sort of, um, you know, stable coin to stable coin trades in the way mm -hmm. that that curve does with very low slippage. So here's USDC to die. And the slippage is, you know, fairly low. Looks like it, it might be a better price for 100 USDC um, to die than Uniswap V2. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the price impact is 0.2%, 0.2%, I should say. I wonder what happens if we like scale this up. Yeah, see, that's where that's zeros. where it gets pretty cool. I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so you're already up to a thousand dollars, and it only got a, a little bit more uh, illiquid. Yeah, and so you, oh, now we're up to ten thousand dollars, and it's actually just the same amount of uh, illiquidity as uh, one less uh, zero, right? And so actually now we're up to a hundred thousand dollars, and it's still point four point three four percent. Uh, and so it's actually not getting zeros. any more. Yeah, you keep adding zeros. It's actually not getting any more illiquid and at some point you you have to max it out because you're going to just completely wipe a, a market maker from one position starting to max another. up max out 10 million dollar okay. trade 10 we'll million 10 million dollar trade wait three percent what's one what's uh, one million dollars how much slippage uh let me count my zeros here one two three four five six okay one million dollars gets you 0.4 percent in slippage on usdc to die if you add in one more zero ryan if you go to 10 million dollars it gets to be 3.5 percent slippage if you add one more zero that's all of it that must 90 percent slippage that's all of it okay so uh if anyone was interested in trading 10 million dollars of usdc to die, get a better price on v2 <laughs> you might get a better price on v2 but overall yeah. that that's that is the power of, of uniswap v3 right it historically was terrible for uh stable coin transfers because uh it would put the same amount of liquidity across the full spectrum but now liquidity providers like this is the easiest most basic way to use v3 in the upgraded fashion is only providing liquidity against a very narrow band of prices which is particularly well suited to like uh priced assets it's super cool dude i'm gonna look at um liquidity here so i can create a new position it looks mm -hmm. like yep um what if i want to or i can migrate v2 liquidity maybe i'll put a, a new position here is this yeah. me putting it creating a whole new pair yeah so yeah uh yes well you would have to se select a pair but i think the really just the adding liquidity page really ah. illustrates all the different things about uh uniswap v3 right so it lets you select the three different fee, fee tiers for the uh, die eth pair yeah i think the three that's point, point three percent that's the uniswap uh, 
V2 and V1, uh, you know, default fee is 0.3%, but you can add, you can pick different ones and there will be liquidity in each of these different pairs. But one of these, uh, one of the uh, fee tiers is going to become the shelling point for every single trading pair. Uh, and then you would set your price range, right? And so you would pick where uh, the, the band of price that you would want to, to uh, supply to. So Ryan is providing uh, uh, 2000, die to ETH between 2,991 to three, yeah, it's got a little clunky interface, right? Over, overwrite all that and go back to three thousand and and uh, four thousand. Three thousand keeps changing it on yeah, me. Yeah, it keeps changing. Yeah, so clunky little UI stuff. It's yeah. close though. It's very close. It's close. It's very close. So if I want to play, that that's the difference. If if I want to provide a price range band for my liquidity, I couldn't do that in mm -hmm. Uniswap V2. I had to provide for the entire spectrum, but now I could set a spectrum of somewhere between $3,000 and $4,000 where I'm providing that liquidity, right? That's the difference. Yep, exactly. Mm -hmm. Interesting. All right, very cool. Uh, let's let's take a look at how it's doing so far, I guess, at the aggregate level. And I think this is where uh, Uniswap analytics come in. So you took these screenshots, David. On the left, we have V2, screenshot from V2. Mm -hmm. On the right, we have V3. What's What are we looking at the differences in terms of liquidity or total locked value and right. also 24-hour uh, volume here? Well, obviously, there's just no comparison, right? Because Uniswap V2 is many years old, and it has all of the, all of Uniswap's money, basically. Uniswap V3 is very, very young, only 24 hours old, so people are still migrating liquidity over. But I think that for understanding the UI, what's important to, to note is on the left side, where we see Uniswap V2, we have liquidity. That's the the name of uh, that they've bestowed upon how, all the money, all the value of all deposits into Uniswap V2. On the right side, we have TVL. And the reason why they've changed this wording from liquidity to TVL is that in Uniswap V2, you deposit like $100 worth of ETH and 100 USDC into the USDC ETH pool. And that gets spread evenly across the whole entire entire trading pair. So that's it's all they, liquidity. It's all liquidity, right? But on Uniswap v3, you have to specify uh, where you are putting the money, and 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 so it's not all liquidity. It's it's TVL. So a slight change in jargon, uh, but I think it's more accurate and more precise, right? Um, and then on the other and side, you of can thing, kind of the 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 under the point I'll underline here is you can get more liquidity for less TVL. That's the right. efficiency factor. Yes, yes. yeah, I, I forgot about that part. Right. So TVL is is the same thing in Uniswap V3 as liquidity is in V2, but it, with TVL in Uniswap V3, like the same amount of TVL would actually, in theory, perhaps give way more liquidity. That's the whole point of Uniswap V3 is that your dollar goes further in liquidity liquidity terms in Uniswap V3. All right, very cool. So what's this uh, second chart we're showing, or this list, I guess? Yeah, second chart, uh, on, again, on the left is Uniswap V2, on the right is Uniswap V3, and we're just looking at the different pools, right? So we have the Fay ETH and Fay Tribe uh, Uniswap V2 pools as the largest pools in Uniswap V3, uh, V2, and then goes uh, USCC ETH, uh, and then the other common pairs, uh, WBTC ETH and ETH USCT and Uni ETH. Uh, and then on the, on the right, we have the Uniswap V3 pools. And what's also added here is that each one you see that 0.3% fee tier, uh, that's something that's going to be new uh, in, in Uniswap V3 because uh, oh, there's the you you do see the one of Dai to USDC, which is a, a stable coin to stable coin, and also USDC to USDT, and those are 0.5%, which makes sense. Lower lower Low, fees. Lower fees for stable coin pairs, right? And so mm -hmm. this is new in Uniswap V3, is and so these pools are going to be also. Um, 
So there's not not only is there a theoretical you know die USDC. 0.05 percent um, uh, Uniswap pool. That's not theoretical. That's exactly what's there. But there's also a Dai USDC or Dai USDT 0.3 percent and also one percent. Um, but those are just illogical for stablecoin to stablecoin pairs. It would, might be more appropriate for more illiquid assets um, like Uniswaps. Uniswaps, for example, would actually be a great one percent LP T fear. Uh, um, and so that's something that you need to pay attention to in, in uh, V3 is that. There are the same pools of the same assets, but they can be segregated by trading pair or trading fees. What's kind of cool here is what we're seeing is I think what we expected to see. Uh, it's happening. It's still early, but a lot of the the you know stable coins are receiving a massive amount of of seven day volume. Um, you know, pretty pretty interesting that that stable coin pairs are the one seeing a lot of adoption. Uh, mm -hmm. And you, you'd kind of predict that from right. the way Uniswap V3 is is optimized for for those types of um, curves. I, I do wonder, speaking of curves, what Curve is thinking as mm. a DeFi protocol, because many have said that V3 was going to be sort of a a curve killer right. in Curve Curve being a protocol optimized for stablecoin to stablecoin mm -hmm. types of trades. And it looks like Uniswap V3 is absorbing maybe some of that right now. We'll have to see how that plays out. I think the last take to have here is that um, not only do we have up to three different liquidity pools in Uniswap V3 with three different fee tiers, even though one of those fee tiers will be the dominant one, there will still be three. And then we still also have Uniswap V2. And so as a user, it's actually getting a little bit more complex to use Uniswap. And Uniswap have done a great job making that very easy to navigate that complexity because they have that button that says like this, the there's a different uh, fee tier or different trading pair that's more li illiquid or more liquid. Um, but I still think the role of aggregators and index aggregators is going to play a very large role here because they're just going to obfuscate everything. And not only are they going to aggregate across all Uniswap trading pairs, but they're also going to do every single other decks. And so I really only yeah. think that aggregators are just going to be the place to, to access Uniswap V3. Yeah, absolutely. We don't lose anything. Don't lose anything. Uniswap V2 is still there. No mm -hmm. one's lost anything. We are just gaining in DeFi. All right, David, we, we focused on that release because it's such a big one. We just have yeah. a few others this week. Uh, this it, The first one is this launch, MeBits. This is an NFT. This is from the folks who uh, created uh, CryptoPunks, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why yep. this is getting such, um, I guess, such press and such adoption so early. So what is MeBits? Yeah, MeBits is CryptoPunks 2.0. Basically, they are. Uh -huh. uh, it's except that you know where CryptoPunks 3D. were two 2D pixels. MeBits is 3D pixels, right? So very much Minecraft-looking characters. Uh, and this, but the same basic rules apply. Like each one has different traits. There are many different traits. There's uh, you, uh, hair, different hairs, glasses, shirts, pants, and shoes. But also you can have multiple different kinds of traits inside of the same category, right? So you could have like a mohawk that's red, a mohawk that's black. You can have round blue glasses. You can have star yellow glasses. Uh, and so it's really just uh, CryptoPunks 2.0. Um, and uh, off, there's been some criticisms of, of MeBit. Some think that the prices for these things and the amount of revenue that... Uh, Larva Labs is going to make is going to be insane for this. Uh, people are saying that this is kind of them making up for how they just never monetized uh, CryptoPunks. Yet CryptoPunks are like billions of dollars in market cap. Uh, and so there's a little bit of controversy. But at the end of the day, the market decides. And right now, the market's kind of hot for MeBits. Yeah, it's the $80 million, David, they've sold. Um, MeBits NFTs, some of them are selling for six figures already. And Larva Labs is 
banked eighty million dollars, dude. Yeah, like, that's not a, not something to scoff at. That is not something to scoff at at all. Eighth largest, I believe, NFT market, right? Eighth most successful NFT market uh, project of mm-hmm. all time, based on the secondary sales volumes as well. So I don't know. What are your thoughts in general here? Are we? We've had this conversation a little bit, but is this bubble territory uh, again for crypto for NFTs? Well, I think the reason why CryptoPunks have done so well is that people get to buy them and then put them as their avatar. Uh, and that's kind of cool because like you you get to kind of, you know, brag about your CryptoPunks, but you also in in a very virtual world that is crypto Twitter and crypto discords and whatever. Social signaling. Man. Social signaling, right? Uh, and yeah. and these, these are what these things are, CryptoPunks are, are avatars and so are MeBits, right? Uh, and so uh, they're, what, what uh, Larva Labs is really doing is they're really borrowing from their success at, um, on CryptoPunks, which they did not monetize. And uh, using, using our episode with Vitalik, borrowing legitimacy from CryptoPunks and bestowing a little bit, borrowing some and putting it into MeBits because you know one worked out so well. Speculators are saying, well, the second one might work out pretty well too. Uh, and so there's a lot of buying pressure for MeBits. And um, I, I think that I would separate this from the rest of the NFT market um, because, because this is one, this is something that, you know, just like CryptoPunks, very uniquely crypto. Sir, you said Vitalik legitimacy episode. Quick plug, coming Monday, guys. You have not heard it yet, but that oh, yeah. is coming Monday. <laughs> oh, right, that's next Vitalik week. Not- <laughs> <laughs> Early yeah. release for bankless uh, paid subscribers. Absolutely. So if you are a paid subscriber, you already have access to it. Um, David, you know, I'm going to come back to Bankless Dow because I want to end there. But let, let's talk about this, which is super exciting. OKX is a crypto exchange. We call these crypto banks. They are now supporting direct deposits and withdrawals, not just on Ethereum mainnet, but to a roll-up, Arbitrum. This mm-hmm. is something that we had hoped would happen, predicted mm-hmm. would happen. Crypto banks actually depositing user funds directly on to rollups and layer two chains rather than mainnet. This is definitely the future. I feel like a whole bunch of other crypto exchanges will uh, follow suit and it's super bullish to me. And he takes here. Yeah, the amount of surface area that there is on L2s for just innovation and integrations is extremely large. Uh, and it's just going to be overall where people end up where they have their money and it's not on Ethereum and then they want to go to Ethereum, but they don't want to pay gas prices. What do you do? You go to an L2 first. And there's no reason why yep. you can't go to an L2 first. I think L2s are actually going to become the dominant onboarding vehicle onto Ethereum. Ethereum, the center, is actually going to, I think, be the, become like the harder place to get to in the long term because people are just going to want to play around in L2s in the first place. Difference between an L2 and a sidechain, of course, an L2 is secured by Ethereum, by the asset price of Ether, by the economic security of the main chain. A sidechain is not. That might have its own validator set. Uh, absolutely. So it's it's bullish news there. Okay. Speaking of L2s, I think a long-awaited feature enhancement for crypto has been privacy. So all of this information is public on the blockchain. If I send you money from an ETH account, somebody knows what my address is. I send it to you, David. They know what your address is. They know exactly how much I sent you. But we are adding privacy to Layer 2s as well. This is Aztec protocol with a private rollup now supporting ZK DAI, not just ETH. Kind of cool. Get into this for us. 
Yeah, uh, so they they launched ZK ETH not too long ago, and again now they are launching ZK Dai, uh, a hidden through line. Again, uh, let's cite the uh, Vitalik episode on legitimacy coming out, uh, <laughs> where uh, he said that DeFi apps prefer Dai because of Dai's legitimacy as a stablecoin. Uh, so hold that in your brain until Monday, but when you listen to that episode. Um, but absolutely. cool. Not only do we have private ETH, but now we have private uh, crypto dollars or or Dai. Um, so that's absolutely fantastic. I keep going back to like, David, this is the vision for yep. crypto since it was born, right? Yep. Imagine if we had a non-sovereign um, money that was peer-to-peer -peer and completely private, right? And, and now we do. Uh, it's super cool what's happening in crypto for those that are paying attention. Again, this is not reaching CNN mainstream news yet, but the price of Doge is somehow. Uh, David, let's talk about the last release. Bankless DAO welcomes you. The Bankless DAO has officially release Genesis team put out a post about this. Man, I'm super excited about mm. all of the activity that we've seen in the Bankless DAO since launch. Since launch. It is like that that snow globe, uh, as you said. What What are you excited about? <laughs> Dude, that's our, that's our last question. I can't ask you that. <laughs> Don't answer what you're excited about. Maybe talk about the distribution of it and, and how it launched. Yeah, so uh, we want we wanted to do this uh, differently, and the Bankless DAO is is already a different DAO. Kind of like I said at the beginning, like this, we aren't uh, Yearn, we're not uh, you know Sushi Swap. We don't have an on-chain DeFi app. We have an off-chain group of people who are interested in a shared common banner, the Bankless banner, uh, and. You know, there, there's really like we, we got Ryan and I at, on on in the Bankless LLC side, and we got Lucas, and we got a couple other people, uh, and it, so many other people approach us and be like, "Yo, I would love to help out. How can I help?" And I, I don't really want to be a manager, and I know you don't want to be a manager, Ryan. So we Bankless LLC doesn't have the surface area to onboard all the people that want to help yet. Bankless DAO as a digital organization, which if you just, the, the difference between Discord and Slack, by the way, is they're the same apps, but one is open and one is closed, right? And so Discord, where the Bankless LLC is, is like the open Slack, right, for a company, except it's not a company, it's a DAO. And so all of the, when I talked about the, the snow globe and the settling of, of people, people are finding their parts of the Bankless DAO that they want to contribute to. Uh, and and so and it's an open organization. Like you can find your find your niche inside of the Bankless DAO and contribute in ways that you think is interesting to you, and the, and that's how the DAO grows. Um, yeah, we we go ahead. We already did this kind of in small ways, right, mm -hmm. David? So as you said, like we're a very small team producing all of this content, but we've had people in France reach out and say, "Hey, we want to translate Bankless and spread the mission in France," and it's like, "Yeah, go do that." And like Bankless France has been doing that for the for the past year, right? Mm -hmm. As an offshoot, Bankless Russia. There are there are Bankless chapters all over the 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 world. There are, there are even Bankless clubs mm -hmm. inside of universities now. And so we can't coordinate all of that activity. The meme is really the coordination layer. It's like, what's the Bankless movement right. about? It's about going Bankless, right? Right. It's just like that's all you need to know. And with that rallying cry, now others can get involved in the movement, but now we have a mechanism to coordinate mm -hmm. some of that activity. That's the difference with Bankless DAO. So super exciting, man. And like the energy around this, the quality of people who, who have joined so far, like I go through, everyone joins the Bankless DAO and they introduce themselves in the intros channel. We've got like Harvard professors. There's, pretty, there's some talent and like, in there. 
rocket scientists and like <laughs> i'm like you listen to this podcast what are you doing <laughs> but they do and uh yeah i'm just excited to see what what comes of this uh this experiment it really is an experiment yeah let's talk about the the genesis proposal ryan can you bring that up on the screen okay let me let me find where that is i think that's the announcement post yeah yeah mm -hmm. so th this about? is something that, again different a different way to do a dao is that we distributed, uh, the Genesis team distributed the bank token to a bunch of different people based on different criteria, right? Like if you were a bankless badge holder, uh, fun fact, that's why we were, were telling you to get the bankless badge so often. Um, uh, and co a couple other different vehicles, like did you do donate to the Gitcoin? Uh, did you buy, buy a BAP Zero t-shirt? Um, uh, and a few other ones. Uh, and then we, so, and then, uh, so I, I got my airdrop, Ryan got his airdrop but we didn't get any airdrops in outsize of what other people got, right? We got equivalent airdrops. And then we submitted the Genesis proposal. And that's where uh, Bankless LLC requests a distribution of bank from the Bankless DAO. And so Bankless LLC is requesting permission from the Bankless community to bestow upon us a, part, a portion of the bank tokens that, that we propose that we think is fair. Uh, and so if you are a bank token holder, you can vote yes or vote no. It's up to you. Yeah, it was really, it's really like, um, the, the vision for this is for Bankless LLC to be one media node on the, the network, right? Along with other media nodes. And so the Genesis proposal is really, was really like a, a, a question, like here's what we think we can provide the Bankless movement um, would you like us to continue doing that? Would mm -hmm. you like us to to coordinate our activity? So I think it's it's not only like about um, Bankless LLC getting more involved here. It's it's also a template for other organizations, other media nodes to to get involved. So it's super exciting. And dude, like I I had, you know, um, I had no idea what people what the what the like people in the DAO would do, whether they would mm -hmm. vote yes, whether they would vote no, whether they would uh, fine tune the proposal, mm -hmm. negotiate. It's it's all up for discussion and it has been. Um, and the proposal, the vote doesn't close until tomorrow. So anyway, this is just a really exciting experiment. And um, I'm, I think that now we have an internet scale organization that can live long past uh, mm -hmm. a set of five individuals right. that run Bankless LLC, right? Mm -hmm. So like, if something happened to us, David, uh, you know, this movement lives on as a media entity. And that's what's so cool about Ethereum and so cool about the DAO structure. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Again, it's it's things are a bigger tent under a DAO form, right? Like we could not fit enough people under Bankless LLC and, and to the point where it was started to have its own spinoffs. And like you said, with Bankless Russia, Bankless France, but now everyone can find themselves under the Bankless DAO tent, right? And, and just as you said, it, the, the bankless meme needs to be some like the whole point uh, the bankless meme is literally about being a bigger tent it would be stupid if we kept it under the llc it can grow into its fullest potential in dow form uh and so uh ryan are you familiar familiar with google's 20 percent time yeah it, that's where like they encourage employees to spend 20 percent on a creative project right of some right kind. exactly right and so uh, you you and me we need to help help bootstrap this DAO, right we're part of it uh and so i propose that like fridays are our DAO days right where where Ooh, in, instead instead of uh, working on bankless llc we work on bankless DAO. obviously we're basically in the bankless DAO discord monday through friday plus weekends too but yeah we're also juggling bankless llc stuff perhaps on fridays is only DAO day Friday is down. Yeah, dude, that's a good idea. The other thing is like, 
um, all of the 20% hobby time that all of these professionals outside of their, their work mm-hmm. activity, um, they can pour their skills and talents into the bankless DAO. And that's, that's mm-hmm. super exciting. I want to say one last thing, and then we'll move to news. And th- that is this, if you are upset or disappointed that you weren't part of the original distribution, like what I want to say is this is four days old, right? Right. The entire purpose of future seasons of the bankless DAO is uh, to invite more people into the bankless DAO. Mm-hmm. And so there's, I think the community has lots of things planned. Um, the best thing to do is continue to like monitor, raise your hand, volunteer, uh, do things for the movement, uh, get noticed when, when, you know, grants, uh, grant proposal process comes available, apply for a grant. Mm-hmm. Like there's tons of ways to stay plugged in. This is just the first week. So anyway, just stay tuned for that. If you're excited about the bankless movement, want to help out again, this is like, this is for the builders of mm-hmm. the bankless movement. Right. This isn't necessarily for the consumers, right? Like yeah. if you are just listening to the bankless show, absorbing the content on your journey, you don't have to be involved in the bankless now at all. Right. Um, this is for the people that are building it for those users. Right. Uh, anyway, that's it, man. Should before, we get to news? Before you move on, I just to- Can't yeah, stop. Yeah, can't stop. <laughs> can't uh, stop. The, I, I think that the world of DAOs and the new culture around digital organizations will benefit people that advocate for themselves. And so there, there are already proposals out there to include some missed people in the initial distribution. People that, you know, had a bankless badge, but, you know, some, some weird scenarios. And so the, the final distribution of bank is unknown because it's in the hands of the DAO, right? The DAO will figure it out. Uh, and there, there have been some people, and I, and I want to change, try and attempt to change the culture in the DAO already, is there are some people who come into the DAO and they ping David and Ryan and they're like, hey, uh, I, think it, I think this, like it, it should be like this. And, no and I'm like, I was great. Like, yeah, we have, we have no, we have no control. Proposed we literally something. don't have any, any governance over this thing above and beyond our airdrop. So advocate for yourself, formulate a proposal, submit it to the DAO and let the DAO decide. Because again, like it, we, we can give our opinions about it, but that's all we can give is only our opinions. Yeah, absolutely. It's very active, very uh, cool thing. Uh, definitely get plugged in and advocate for advocate, yourself advocate. and uh, advocate for the movement too, mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. like, wh- ask not what the DAO can do for you. Ask what you can do for the DAO mm-hmm. is what I'll end with. Nice. There you go. There we go. All right, now we can David. end it. <laughs> now we can end it. That was a <laughs> perfect ending. Uh, news, Ethereum stuff. Let's talk about the first one. DeFi is now funding DeFi. Let me skip to that. Polygon launches a $100 million fund to support DeFi adoption. This is Polygon, a successful side chain slash layer two solution, getting a ton of DeFi adoption. uh, And they're now launching an entire fund to build up DeFi infrastructure. Yeah, and the uh, Matic token, the token of Polygon, is definitely one of the the outperformers in recent times. And so it's really good to see them recirculate some of that that wealth back into DeFi. I'm reminded of Kevin Owaki's regenerative finance CoinDesk article, which has been a fantastic mental model of mine, where using DeFi, using one DeFi app makes that DeFi app valuable, and then that DeFi app invests into the rest of the ecosystem, and new DeFi apps are built, and then those DeFi apps are built, and those become valuable, and it just recirculates and recirculates and recirculates, and that's how you you bootstrap a network in Polygon, uh, sticking true to the ethos of regenerative instead of in, instead of degenerative. If you didn't get that, regenerative finance. <laughs> well said. Uh, speaking of Polygon, Polygon is now top ten overall on DeFi Pulse. So they've been added. They are now top ten with Coming four billion. Eight. 
yeah, starting that's at pretty impressive. Good job. Four billion. Again, they are a somewhere between a sidechain and an L2 solution, so mm -hmm. not completely roll-up dependent, um, but they are definitely culturally invested mm -hmm. in the Ethereum ecosystem and what it's doing there. Let's look at this. So my wife actually uh, sent me this homepage. It was the homepage of CNN and Vitalik was on it. And it was Ethereum's 27-year-old CEO, uh, a co-creator, who's now the world's youngest crypto billionaire. Vitalik, a billionaire. I don't think he cares though, David. <laughs> I, I, I'm willing to bet that he didn't even know. Yeah. I bet, like, the, I bet I, this is news to him. I just think this is probably one of the billionaires that cares least about, about being, like being having recorded like five or six podcasts with them. Like you mm -hmm. feel like you get to know a person, you spend a lot of time talking to them. He right. doesn't care about this at all. I remember reading but, uh, Cami Russo's book, uh, um, uh, The Infinite Machine, and, and uh, there was a, a, a section in it about how Vitalik would stay at like the cheapest hostels while Ether was <laughs> yes, like, yes. over $1,000 in 2017. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's cool. But look, this is a milestone, I think, for 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 the community as well. Uh, definitely, ETH price appreciation is the reason mm -hmm. why. Um, let's talk about this. Speaking of DAOs, the Maker Foundation is returning all of their Dev Fund holdings to Maker as a DAO. Is this Maker Foundation like disintegrating, bowing out, and yeah, Coming. bowing out, yep. saying mm -hmm. bye bye? Yep. Yep. And so handing what's going... it to the community. Exactly. So the Maker Foundation has a pretty large supply of MKR because that's where it, MKR got minted in the first place. Uh, and the Maker Foundation uh, about a year ago committed to dissolving itself in the future as it was ready. Uh, and so this is the process of um, gradual decentralization. And I would like to to give a shout out to all the Bitcoiners that came on my my other podcast, POV CryptoPod, and talked about how gradual decentralization is not possible. This is gradual decentralization being completed, being finished. The Maker Foundation is dead. The Maker Dow is alive. The king is dead. Long live the king. Is that a shout out when you when you call someone out like you were wrong? Is that is that a shout sure, out too? Sure, sure. Call out, <laughs> shout out, whatever. Okay. I, could, I could list names if you wanted me I to. I got it. There you go. Next episode. Oh, save that for the debrief, David. Yeah. <laughs> we'll list names. That's where we name names. All right. Um, got receipts. DeFi more disruptive to banks than Bitcoin. Who says this? Not not the bankless guys. ING Insurance is saying this. This is a headline from a quote. They released a paper, Lessons Learned from Decentralized Finance. A few quotes here. DeFi is an integral part of ING's digital asset vision. Wow. What? Wow. Really? Um, researching DeFi, they're spending a lot of time doing this. They're, they're commenting that it has 76 uh, billion locked up. Um, the best of both worlds is achieved if centralized and decentralized financial services cooperate. DeFi AKA mullet? DeFi mullet? DeFi mullet? Oh, yes, I've, sir. I've heard that one before. DeFi mullet uh, in a corporate exec speak, analyst speak, DeFi <laughs> mullet. That's what it is. Pretty um, crazy, dude. Wait, before before you go on, um, fuck, what was I going to say? Oh, God. Well, God damn it. I just thought of it. <laughs> ING, David. Uh, Ryan, earlier I said that DeFi season is coming. Like, this is why. And again, uh, while we have retail aping into things like Dogecoin, we have, in my in my opinion, in my, in my from what I can tell, my analysis, we have institutions putting Ether on the balance sheet and using Ether as a store of value and also investigating DeFi assets. And so I would like to 
present the possibility that there are strictly different cohorts of buyers between why Doge is pumping versus why ETH is pumping. And I think people are also settling in around, people were circling, the institutions were cir circling around Ether and then they just landed on it recently. People are, also institutions are circling around DeFi assets like Uni, you know, like YFI, like Aave, Comp, whatever. They are circling around DeFi assets and there's going to be a DeFi season that is institutionally driven. And I'm bullish for that. Sir, I accept that proposition and I'm also bullish, sir. <laughs> well said. All right. Let's talk about Bankless DAO already making its own news. Two days old. It's mm -hmm. already giving 100K away to charity. I said we would inject Bankless DAO in every single section of this conversation. Here we are doing it. I don't know if it's in meme of the week, but here it is. David, what's going on? 100K. How is Bankless DAO already donating to charity? What's going on here? Yeah, if you click that snapshot link, they'll, we'll give the, a little bit of a backstory. So Udi uh, Wertheimer, who, uh, you know, famous troll, uh, has publicly stated that he is interested in coming onto a podcast to uh, articulate the vision of BNB as hypersound money. Uh, and, Binance and coin. Binance coin, right. And CMS Holdings, another famous Twitter account, uh, said that, that Udi should go on Bankless. Uh, and and then Udi responded saying that they're never going to invite me on. And that's it, true. He was right. Probably true. Right. But then <laughs> CMS Holdings was what said, what if I donate a uh, hundred thousand dollars to the uh, to the charity of Bankless's choice? Uh, and so, I mean, I kind of feel of a personal responsibility, Ryan, to, to say yes to that. That is uh, I can't say no to donating a hundred thousand dollars yeah. to charity. An hour of our time, David, mm -hmm. to, to have a conversation with Udi is definitely mm -hmm. worth hundred K to charity. Yeah. And, and like you, Udi, Udi, he's a conversationalist. Like we, we can have a conversation. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. I don't know if it'll be useful, but it'll be fun. It'll be funny. Yeah. Um, and, and so what we're, what we're doing is instead of uh, bankless LLC uh, saying where the money is going to go, we just handed, handed the rights to that over to the Dow. Uh, so the Dow chooses where $100,000 goes. Right now, Gitcoin is in the lead, followed not too far behind by uh, India COVID relief, uh, followed not too far behind by, by Coin Center. Uh, there's, this is only, let's see, there's only, I think, 5 or 6% of total outstanding bank voting. And so this, is, this current vote is completely swayable in any direction. I'm kind of bummed that Bitcoin mining carbon offset isn't really in the lead, but, you know, fair enough. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll, give that, I'll give it to that Gitcoin. That was yours? That was mine. Well, you, yeah. have, you have like a 0.001% to vote <laughs> on, sir, so you should do that. Yeah, I, I definitely should do that. But, you know, Gitcoin in the lead. So, um, you know, maybe if this, if this comes through, we're donating 100 uh, bankless DAO plus CMS Holdings donating $100,000 to Gitcoin. Cool. How silly is that, dude? I don't dude, understand. But uh, okay. Dude, dude what, if, what if, though, BNB is actually hypersound money, man? And you, what if? I think we'll find CD. out. What if we're wrong? I what if we're wrong? And what if we're wrong? To be continued, when's that podcast happening? We haven't uh, scheduled it yet. Well, first, first, first we have to come to a head. The Bankless DAO needs to pick which uh, charity to donate to. Then we'll forward okay. that off to CMS, and then he'll donate. Scheduled time. And then we'll schedule it with UD. Yep. Stay tuned, guys. To be continued. All right. Uh, Ethereum is headed to 10K. <laughs> Not, again, the bankless guy is saying this, but somebody on CNBC saying this. Gary Tan, a famous venture capitalist angel investor, saying this live on CNBC for the world to hear. He said a few things. ETH going to 10K. He said ETH is ultrasound money. Wow, David. Two months from the, the creation Genesis? of ultrasound yeah. money? 
genesis of ultrasound well, it was money? it wasn't the creation the creation happened in like september of 2020 but it was really started the articulation the the heavy heavy was promotion. all justin drake yeah yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so dude that's uh you know look we've said before social layer meme layer it propagates up here it's propagating up to traditional finance cnbc gary tan now sporting ultrasound money kind of fun yep all right, let's talk Bitcoin. This is a big one. This is bigger Huge. than Bitcoin. I'm like this might, I mean, we should have, we could have led with this. U.S. banks are allowing Bitcoin trading in 2021, says NYDIG execs. NYDIG, is that how you say that? NYDIG, yeah. I'm not mm -hmm. sure. But um, New Digital Investment Group has inked a partnership with FinTech, Fidelity. Fidelity has been in crypto for a long time, since like 2015, 2016, doing a lot in the space. That's Fidelity, um, the investment company. And now uh, NYDIG is going to be signing on a whole bunch of banks, I believe, yeah. to be able to um, actually buy and sell crypto assets, in particular Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. So like the this is, David, I think this is the banks wanting a piece of this. Right. The banks not knowing how to custody crypto assets, not knowing what to do with it. And this agency, NYDIG, helping out with that with with a partnership with fidelity so pretty soon it's it's look this is something we predicted when coinbase goes public all of the other banks are going to look at their financial statements in the sec they're going to look at all those financial statements and start salivating and being mm -hmm. like oh my god this is possible where's our cut and this is mm -hmm. them coming back and trying to get their cut of crypto and so you'll basically have the ability to buy and sell crypto at your local bank. Mm -hmm. That's what this leads to. Yeah, th there's a typo in this article where they say new digital investment group is actually New York Digital Investment Group, NYDIG. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> and, and that makes more the sense. The way that this works is that NYDIG takes care of the trading and custody, and they just have APIs to apparently hundreds of banks. And so all this is, from what I can tell, uh, an API integration. If you want to hear a better explanation of this, so listen to NLW's uh, podcast with somebody for actually from NYDIG uh, explain this. But apparently, very simple integration where they just put in an API and then all of a sudden next to your USD balance in your bank account, you have a Bitcoin balance. That's so hard for me to fathom to yeah. even picture that world. But right. uh, that's what's Bullish. going and it's because of the profit incentive for banks to get mm -hmm. aboard this. All right, let's talk more about profit incentives. NFTs. There's a profit incentive in NFTs as well. We had Gary V on the podcast. He's doing some stuff with N NFTs and he's just launched V Friends, which is his take on NFTs. There's some cool features here, I think, um, that we we covered in our, our episode with him mm -hmm. earlier in the week. But I guess a few takeaways. One, I think this onboards more people to Ethereum wallets. So in order to get these NFTs, you have to have an ETH address. So it's crypto native from that perspective, which I like. You're also buying these NFTs with ETH, which is kind of cool too. So again, onboarding more people. This is not necessarily something for me, not mm -hmm. necessarily something for you, right. um, but it is something that his community is uh, is interested in. And uh, we'll, we'll see how this uh, this goes after he launches it. Yeah, and I think that's really actually the big takeaway with uh, Gary V and his NFTs. You know, with, with CryptoPunks or Euler Beats or all the other like more general NFTs, there's like anyone who's interested in NFTs can start to speculate on like the cool NFT. These Gary V NFTs are really just for Gary V and his fans. 
it's kind of yeah. more of a, a, a not formally but informally a closed ecosystem because you know if you don't care about Gary V then you're not going to care about his NFTs but if you do care about Gary V then you probably are really going to be interested in his NFTs and these these NFTs aren't just like some weird weird drawing that you saw on screen it's not just some thing that Gary drew it, they're actually redeemable for some sort of time with Gary uh, and so they're like, hang out with Gary collateralized NFTs, right? You like dinner deer. He just drew a random picture of a deer. Now it's an NFT. And if you buy this NFT, you get to have dinner with Gary. Uh, and uh, Gary has a massive fan base. And if you are not in that fan base and you probably don't care, but if you are in that fan base, then you are probably downloading MetaMask, loading it up with ether and then buying it a dinner deer NFT. Uh, and, and, and credit tip, tip, tip of the hat to Gary. Could have done this on, you know, Solana. Could have done this on some other chain. No, he did it on Ethereum L1 with with Ether. Uh, not 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 with fiat on top shots. Not on, he he's doing it right. He's doing it right. Yeah, I agree. And if you think this is stupid, that's okay. It's not for you. Right. Like my wife thinks CryptoPunks are stupid, and like I'm never going to explain why they're actually valuable to her. Right. It's just not for your community. Not for mm -hmm. your culture. Um, but the fact that you could do these for your community is pretty cool. David, let's go on more NFT news. Uh, Coinbase is partnering with Sotheby's, which is, I, I believe, a large art auction group uh, to announce a collaboration with Coinbase Commerce so that people at Sotheby's can buy a Banksy image with crypto. So Bitcoin and Ether can be used to buy Banksy right now. Bitcoin and ETH is money. Wow, real world Banksy? You can use it for that now. I guess it's becoming more money-like. David, this is cool too. Upshot has just announced that they've raised uh, $7.3 million. I think of Upshot, what they're trying to do is be sort of the Zillow for NFTs, mm -hmm. where they give you like a price estimate for all of these NFTs. And there's actually an opportunity for uh, bankless uh, badge holders here that we can get to. But what's, what's your take on what Upshot's trying to do? Yeah, so it's kind of like uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of butcher this explanation, but then I'm gonna get back to how it's actually accurate. So like, think of like swiping left or swiping right on NFTs, uh, or <laughs> kind of like a, a hot or not, right? So you're presented with two NFTs and you just pick the one that you like the most. Uh, and th this is an NFT appraisal platform. And so with more and more data, everyone remembers, uh, you know, in the, the social dilemma, the social, social, uh, social network where Mark Zuckerberg did, did that hot or not thing for with like college students on campus. Very controversial. Good thing NFTs don't have emotions. Um, <laughs> and, and so you can just pick your favorite NFT and with more and more and more data of more and more and more people's inputs, uh, we can actually come to some sort of e emergent pricing or emergent appraisal for the value of NFTs. And so as an appraiser, you are incentivized to pick the same NFT that everyone else is going to pick. And you have to do a little bit of due diligence, not only looking at it and seeing if you like it or not, but looking at how much supply there is, previous trade history, who made it. Uh, and so there's there, it's a two-sided marketplace. People who want to earn money appraising NFTs and people who want to pay to have their NFT appraised. And then there's also a wisdom of the crowds mechanism where if you pick the other things that other people pick, then you get rewarded outsized. Uh, and that, at the end of the day, art is just uh, valued as how much other people value it. Uh, and so this is a, a pretty cool NFT appraisal platform. Again, uh, already beta access available to bankless badge holders and bankless badge holders only. Yeah, so if you have a badge right now, you can log on to app.upshot.io 
if you connect your badge with MetaMask, you should be able to access the interface and become an appraiser and start earning for appraising these NFTs. Super cool protocol. Excited to see where that goes, David. Uh, we'll end the NFT section on this. CryptoPunks is now being valued at $1 billion USDC. Is this triple comma club or what, man? Yeah. And I, go ahead. Yeah, dude. Like I just, an NFT that is worth $3 billion in NFT market, that like blows my mind. Um, are you still, I mean, does it feel frothy though? Yeah. I think it's inflated in the same way I saw, I was talking about how the Doge market cap is inflated because so many people have lost Doge. So many people have lost CryptoPunks, right? And so uh, I think I think over 50% and it could be even higher than that. That has to be heartbreaking. Right. Imagine and that. There's a lot of wallets that just, I mean, because they were free to claim. And so back in 2016, when they were they were released, where, where gas was like below one guay, people would be like, oh, I'll take... I'll take a thousand crypto punks and then I'll throw away my wallet. And that's where we are today. Uh, and, and then so, it turned into the value of a house. Right. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> that's sad. Man. A more than reasonably brutal. sized house, I might add. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. All right. Uh, let's get to a few others before we leave. Goldman Sachs is leading a $15 million Series B into a round for Coinmetrics. Coinmetrics is super cool. Great data site mm -hmm. for crypto. Doing fantastic work. Our friend Nick Carter over there. And this is Goldman Sachs leading the round. So like big financial institutions getting involved in crypto. Really cool, really bullish. Any Anything more you want to say there? Yeah, top tier data analytics platform with a seed round from a top tier. I mean, I'm not going to say nice things about a bank, but you know, as far as banks <laughs> go, Gold, program, Goldman no, Sachs is like really high up there in tier status. And so tip of the hat for Coinmetrics. Uh, and this is uh, illustrates just the value of good data in this place. I'm going to blaze through these because this is all the same theme, which is a uh, traditional bank uptick of crypto. Here's another one. S&P, Dow Jones, a famous index, of course, they're launching a Bitcoin and Ethereum indice. In 2017, this would have been huge news. This week, it barely is a blip on crypto's radar, but it is huge news. Uh, PayPal has held exploratory talks about launching a stablecoin. Dude, the rumor mill keeps swirling. PayPal's absolutely doing something in the stablecoin space. So is Visa. I wouldn't be surprised if they come up with something this year. PayPal the last... has the largest DeFi mullet, or at least it will have the largest <laughs> DeFi mullet. That's my prediction. The largest, dankest, nastiest, <laughs> greasiest DeFi mullet imaginable. <laughs> That's what David's predicting. All right, here's something else, David. Galaxy Digital is acquiring BitGo. BitGo, of course, is a very large crypto custodian. Galaxy premier, Digital. Premier crypto custodian. Definitely. They are one of the go-tos. Besides like Coinbase and a few others, they're definitely the go-tos. Galaxy Digital is a large crypto fund of sorts. They're acquiring them for $1.2 billion. I'm not sure what Galaxy's intentions are, but it feels like they're planning to maybe flip them to another acquirer. That's what I would guess, but have no idea what their intents are. Uh, interesting activity nonetheless. Let's get to the next one. Oh, oh this, God. look, we'll park on this for just a second because we talked about it in the markets. Elon Musk had an SNL appearance Saturday Night Live, of course. He's, did he say something about Dogecoin? He must wait, have. Wait, no, he's going to have a Saturday Night Live appearance on Saturday because it's, it's live, right? It hasn't already happened yet. Of course. Yeah, of course. And so he's been shilling how he is the Doge father and he's going to shill the Doge. Doge father. Is that yeah. really what he says? That's what he's been saying. And so I don't he, have time in my life right now for Elon. God so damn I haven't it, been Elon. paying attention. Sorry. What you could be doing. I mean, he bought, he bought Bitcoin and put it on the balance sheet for Tesla. So I guess Dude, it's pretty he's good. launching 
rockets and making space age cars. He's and doing he's a making lot. a farce out of my industry, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, he he's a big memester. Uh, and he's apparently going to be shilling Doge really hard on SNL this Saturday. How do people know this? Oh, because well, Elon he, said he would. Because Elon's been been tweeting about it. Because that, that's where the Doge father meme came from. Why? I don't know. What's he's a purpose? meme lord. So I, what I don't understand is a lot of people um, who text me asking about Dogecoin uh, say things like, "Yeah, Elon's involved in this. <laughs> Elon thinks it's a big deal, and that therefore gives it legitimacy." Which is why I worry. Again, low confidence meme, low conviction meme is why I worry about Dogecoin. Should we send Elon some bank it. tokens? So Elon's part of the bank DAO? We should send Elon the Bankless podcast. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and he should listen to it to understand this industry a, mm. a bit more. I know Elon, very smart dude, understands a lot of things, but um, I don't know why he's doing this. Yeah. Come on, Elon. All right, David. Uh, A16Z is raising another fund as much as $1 billion for a new crypto fund. What's your comment here? Uh, yeah, A16Z always pioneering the charge into crypto. $1 billion going into this industry. Uh, is that going into crypto assets? Is that going into seed investments? Probably a little bit of any of everything. But overall, our industry is about to get $1 billion better. All right. How Finney would be 65 earlier this week. Uh, rest in peace, How Finney, 65th birthday. What do you want to say yep. about this? Uh, possibly Satoshi uh, would have uh, died in 2014 due to ALS, a true cypherpunk. Uh, happy birthday, How Finney. Yeah, super cool. David, we're going to get to takes in just a minute, and don't forget the meme of the week. But before we do, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible. Synthetics is Ethereum's derivatives liquidity protocol. What does this mean? Synthetics is a platform for creating and trading synthetic assets. This includes real-world assets like commodities, equities, and currencies. You get access to a global range of assets on a single decentralized platform. Traders could use the Quenta Exchange, which hosts and trades all of the synthetic assets created by Synthetics. Traders on Quenta can trade tokens such as synthetic Bitcoin, synthetic oil, synthetic Tesla, or even synthetic DeFi. Because Quenta is powered by synthetics, traders experience zero slippage in their trades. No, I don't mean low slippage, I mean no slippage, because that's the power of the synthetics platform. No slippage on your trades. You can also easily short assets with iSynths. These are synthetic tokens that move inversely to their target asset, or you can simply short by borrowing against SUSD while getting paid a yield to do it. Synthetics isn't just for traders. Developers can build on synthetics to access the infinite liquidity offered by synthetic assets, where investors can stake collateral to the protocol and earn fees that the protocol collects. If you're a trader and you're looking for a trading platform not found in the legacy world, check out quenta.io. And if you just want to earn yield on your collateral, go to staking.synthetics.io, where you can stake your SNX or ETH and earn fees from synthetics. If you want to learn more, head to synthetics.io and join their Discord community. MetaMask is your go-to wallet for the bankless journey. If you're going bankless, you need MetaMask, period. Browser and mobile, get them both. This is your tool to unlock the world of DeFi. Here's my favorite part. Now you can swap tokens directly in MetaMask with a single swipe. This has got to be the easiest way to trade Ethereum tokens. Choose a token you own, a token to exchange it with, and get your quotes. If you like what you see, you hit swap. That's it. What makes swaps so useful is what happens behind the scenes. 
It compares DEXs, aggregators, and market makers to find you the best price with the lowest network fees and the least slippage. This means you can swap a wider range of tokens and swaps can even automatically split up your trade to give you access to better liquidity. You don't even have to think about it. Try it out. Download MetaMask for desktop or mobile now at metamask.io and start swapping. All right, guys, we are back with some hot takes for the week. Let's go to the first, David. Ethereum is green. What's the take behind this? Yeah, so this is a post made by a Status, a status um, uh, app that uh, talking about all about how exactly green Ethereum is. And I think the, the I'm going to lead with the punchline, actually, and say that if you want to be green, you don't turn your energy consumption into renewable resources. You consume less. I mean, you can do both. You can do both. But consuming less is actually the greenest path forward rather than just reorganizing how you consume resources. If you can just stop consuming resources, you don't actually have to find renewable resources to consume. You can just stop consuming resources at all. And so what Status is showing in this, in this blog post is that Ethereum is green because it actually just doesn't consume anything. And so under a proof of stake paradigm, uh, it is 99% more efficient in energy consumption than proof of work. Dude, I just feel like this is checkmate to the proof of work argument, basically, mm -hmm. right? So like, um, or the, the environmental impact of proof of work. Mm -hmm. It's basically like, yeah, the answer is we turn it off. Right. We, we stop doing it. It's, it's not this convoluted answer of how much energy is Bitcoin or Ethereum proof of uh, work using and how much of that is renewable versus non-renewable and how much of it is like net new innovation versus not. Like the answer is like, we just turn it off. And even if you don't care about any of this, that is a better narrative mm -hmm. to go mainstream with and a better narrative when your friend asks you about crypto's environmental impact or the media announces you about how much energy crypto is, is using on a given day. You just have to say, uh, like none, zero. Mm -hmm. Now, like, so anyway, we've, we talked about this before, but I, I just feel like that's a checkmate answer. And Ethereum, can't, to be fair, can't say that yet. Right. Until the merge. Right. You know, and, and that's the uh, nine months from now, 12 months from now. And I see the same, like, I, I saw like three headlines this week. Like, uh, Bentley is commu committing to uh, be, produce only electric cars by 2030. Like, you know, X car manufacturer committing to only electric cars by X date. That f the model, the move towards electric feels like also the move towards proof of stake. Like, proof of stake is just like <laughs> the most efficient, green, like minimally consumptive thing and like proof of work feels like a gas guzzler it feels like a hummer it feels like a tank and that's kind of the the same uh, ethos of protecting bitcoin is like well we will just pile on armor after armor after armor whereas proof of stake is like we'll just be really agile and lean uh, and i think the society instead of one want, wanting a big hunking gas guzzler they want something agile and lean yeah uh, definitely um all right let's talk about the next article or take from the week. And this is a take by Charlie Munger, successful Berkshire Hathaway investor. Uh, he and Warren Buffett, of course, uh, very rich individuals. Great, great investment advice too, um, both these guys. But Bitcoin's success is disgusting, is what Charlie Munger said this week. He's got some other lines here. Of course, I hate the Bitcoin success, Munger said. I don't welcome a currency that's so useful to kidnappers and extortionists and so forth, nor do I like shuffling out a few extra billions and billions of dollars to somebody who just invented 
a new financial product out of thin air. Peak cope. I, Peak cope. I'm gonna, okay. I, I'm going to keep reading this because it's great. Mm -hmm. I think I should say modestly that I think the whole damn development is disgusting and contrary to the interests of civilization. David Hoffman. Is what we're doing contrary to the interests of civilization, my friend? No, it's I just feel contrary to Charlie Munger and his idea of his <laughs> civilization. It's just, oh, he's okay. very aware that Bitcoin is popping his bubble and no one else's. Uh, and he sounds really insecure about who he is and his position in the world. Yeah, it sounds pretty, pretty angry about it. And here's the bottom line. I don't think crypto is for Charlie Munger. Yeah. Like he's mm -hmm. not going to have to deal with the problems that, younger generations are dealing with right. as a result of like Charlie Munger's, Munger's success. Again, fantastic investor, but has done it on the fiat, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the whole fiat money printer pumping mm -hmm. stock prices and all of these things. Of course, he's made great decisions from an investment perspective, but he's also benefited from the status quo banking system, right? So yeah, it's not for him is 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 what i would say too when we talk David, about the uh, creative destruction that this industry brings this is the part that is the destruction part <laughs> like goodbye yeah. charlie <laughs> yes um, was, that the, was that the actual take <laughs> i don't know yeah i don't know if that was the actual take but uh there's something there for sure all right david let's do this take um man really good eva um balen Mm -hmm. At three dollars, it was just a joke. Talking about ether here at thirty dollars, it was a good hobby. At three hundred, it was a group of builders. At three thousand, it's what? It's a revolution. Mm -hmm. Talking about the price of ether, really cool take here. Yeah, there's just something to say that we can we can talk about the revolution, but until it actually shows up in the market value of these assets, then it's only talk. When it's here in the number, you can say that the revolution's finally here. It's showing up. Uh, ETH price go up is economic strength, is economic security, is legitimacy. David, let's let's go to our friend Rob Payone, mm -hmm. who we had on the podcast. Uh, this guy recruits for positions in crypto, for, for jobs in crypto. He helps people find a job in crypto. Uh, do you want to read this takeout and then give your comments? Yeah, he wrote an entirely long, uh, uh, a nine-tweet nine long thread. So the whole thing is worth uh, reading, but I'm just going to read number nine. Uh, it actually goes to 10. Um, he goes, long thread short. If you love the crypto industry and you want a job here, go for it. Is there career risk? Yes, but everything in life has risk. Sitting in a cubicle at a big bank or big four droning away for the next 20 years is also a risk. If you want it, go get it. Uh, and hell yeah. Hell yeah, Bobby. Uh, and I remember in, in uh, 2018, when, after I went to East Denver, which was like the impetus for me to get into this industry, uh, I, 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 f I flew home and reflected on the plane ride home. And it's like, well, am I seriously about to go home and study for the GRE so I could get into school? Like, <laughs> What's the no, point? What's the point? Like, I, am I seriously going to miss this? Whatever the yeah. hell this, I don't even know what this is, but I'm seriously going to miss it? Absolutely not. I am not risking missing Ethereum over the next you know, three years, right? I'm not waiting for the next bull market if this one's ending. And then, and then you know what I did, Ryan? I What'd you do? I used a bunch of DeFi apps. Uh, I used Uniswap. Then I got the Uni airdrop. So I didn't miss out on that, that risk. Uh, I, you know, learned how to use all these things, uh, started a podcast. You know, I would have, thank God I didn't risk not doing all of those things because it pays to be in DeFi. David's profile shot, if you know this. They found out on April 1st, though, when we published the the joke post, the prank. 
his profile shot is still him sitting in front, standing in front of a Wells Fargo for a mm-hmm. job interview. Am I right about that? Uh, one of my first days on the job, but it was actually at a crypto job. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, that's funny though. Yeah. It's so like, uh, I think great bit of advice here, like drop out of university and join a DAO. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm only half kidding about that. I, yeah. the, we talked about this on the Josh Rosenthal episode, which by the way, I listened to um, a second time mm-hmm. this week because it was so good. That That's the crypto renaissance episode. And he talks about this and with his, in his action items where he kind of sum, summed up the last thousand years of history, he said the thing that you where the place you don't want to be at this juncture in history is a part of the old institutional mm-hmm. guard mm-hmm. because that's not going to accelerate the path. So you can't trust the path in the career uh, like opportunities that the existing institutions have set out for you, right? You mm-hmm. have to find something new. You have to start exploring this new frontier and you have to position yourself for the change that is coming about. And I think that's uh, good advice being echoed by Rob in this thread here. Absolutely. David. In the inside of a revolution, the risk is staying the same. For sure. Well said. Okay. All right, David, it's time. What are you excited about this week, my you friend? To, you ready to see it? Because it's a show and tell. Yeah, here I'm ready go. to see it. Here we go. Look at this, look at this piece of Uniswap. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. Check that out. Okay, so if it's I can Uniswap actually zoom unicorn. this in a li- even more, you can actually start to see some pretty cool stuff in there. Uh, it, there's a little bit of Easter eggs going on here. And I think, I hope this isn't a mirror image. Okay, but here, here, ETH is money. Is right there. What? Yeah, here's, uh, here's. Wait, wait, is, wait, I want to see that. Can you bring that closer? It's, this is kind of hard. I see it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I see it. Yeah, here's here's welcome. Here's welcome. Wow. There, if you stare closer, you can see in the uh, over there is better together, better together. Wow. Uh, and so there's there's just a bunch of really positive Ethereum focused words written all over this Uniswap uh, Uniswap logo, but in different languages, uh, uh, many different languages. There's Hindi in there. There there's Arabic. There's English. Uh, and there's there's welcome, bienvenido, um, ETH is money. Uh, Where did you find this? Yeah, so I got the I met up uh, with this guy in Twitter DMs, uh, Usama Kayat. I, I hope I pronounced that name right. I probably didn't. Uh, and I, I saw him post something similar, and I was like, Yo, like, can I have that? Uh, and then he he said, No, I want to make you a better one. So he made me a better one, commissioned it, and then he sent it to me. Uh, and so now I'm gonna get it framed and put it up on my wall. That is awesome. Is this an NFT or is this like just old school, traditional art, no NFT? Traditional art, pre-NFT NFTs. That's awesome. But it is representative of crypto culture, crypto meme culture and Uniswap, man. Good week to get that too. Absolutely. Did you receive it on Uniswap launch day? Or is it uh, a couple, couple days before? I've had it for a couple of days now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is awesome, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, very cool. So thank you so much, uh, Usama. Really, really, really cool present. Bunch of creators in this community. Absolutely. Ryan, what are you excited about? Uh, I got to say Bankless DAO. One more time. (laughs) Just one more time. I told you we'd fit it in every section. I think we've talked about it at length, but just to see the amount of experimentation, the community kind of rally around the movement um, gives me hope Mm -hmm. that we have started something here that is much bigger than ourselves and that can continue to carry crypto forward uh, under its value set, which is like, this is a technology about coordination. This is a technology about self-sovereignty. This is a technology that's gonna make the world a better place. And if those values are instilled in any way in this movement, it's just the most exciting thing ever. It's like 
that's my answer for every single week after this. <laughs> <laughs> if I could give the same answer and it was still interesting, but um, there you go. That's what I'm excited about. Yeah. What I'm optimistic about is I think we also have found the right people. Um, the right people have found their ways into the bankless DAO. And we'll continue to. David, Absolutely. let's get to you meme of the week. All right, man, this is one from our friend, Chris Berninski. <laughs> okay, yeah. explain this one. So this is the, the classic uh, boyfriend looking back at a girl in a red dress while his girlfriend is upset at him for doing so. You know the one. <laughs> you know the one. Uh, the boyfriend is the institutions. The upset girlfriend is BTC. And the girl in the red dress is ETH. Um, our, our ETH Maxis hats are definitely on on this episode, but it's also reflected in reality in the markets. And so, um, yeah, uh, awesome, awesome meme, Chris. You know how to meme for sure. Yeah, well done. Not just a fantastic investor and explainer. He actually wrote one of the books that uh, got me really excited about crypto, um, Crypto Assets. Fantastic book. I think still holds up in a lot of ways. I hope he writes a second edition. Mm -hmm. And now he's talented at memeing. Some people get all the gifts. He's got everything, man. <laughs> Chris Raninsky, hopefully we'll have you back on the podcast again. Um, that episode that we did last summer with him was fantastic as well. Mm -hmm. David, anything else before we sign off for the week? Uh, long live Bankless Dow. There you go, guys. ETH is risky. Bitcoin is risky. DeFi is risky. You could lose what you put in. But if you're hanging here, you are on the journey with us. This is the Bankless journey. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us. This has been the weekly roll-up. Thanks a lot. Mm -hmm.